So we'll now have our readings um, from Luke, chapter 15, uh, 11 to 32. I think uh, we're starting with Andy, um, and then uh, Rachel for the second half. Morning. Luke 15, verses 11 to 21. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Amen. And continuing Andy's reading, reading from verses 22 to 32. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the eldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. When I was uh, growing up, we looked after a very elderly lady at the end of the street called Mrs. Starkings. She lived on her own, actually already in her 80s, and she finally died at the age of 101. She'd come across from the Indian Raj, where she was born on a tea clipper 
an old sailing ship and was first engaged to be married to someone who ultimately died in the First World War. Armistice Day remained very painful for her to the end of her life, even though she was subsequently married. She was of the generation where people worked in service, as it was called, as servants in large houses. I remember whilst I was at school, going to such a stately home to reenact the life of a servant. And although it was only a day, and it was only acting, it was a pretty traumatic experience. I can remember the butler sh shouting at me. I was terrified, just wanted to get on the bus. Which I can still remember now, over 40 years later. Servants were seen but not heard, much like children were at the time as well. And they worked incredibly long hours to make sure that those in the aristocracy lived as effortlessly as possible. Downton, I think, was a bit sanitized. Holidays were in a short supply. You worked, you lived, you slept in the house on the sole whim of the owner. Church going was in earlier years compulsory, and even when it wasn't, it was very strongly expected. Although you'd probably moved to the big house from where you came from. So at that time, you were attending what became known as your sister church. For many of us here, we are attending our sister church. Is there anyone here, still, who, for, their, for whom this is the church they grew up in? One, two, a couple? Yeah, three? Yeah. For you, this is your mother church. But for many of us, this is our sister church. So anyway, a tradition formed that on the fourth Sunday of Lent, those in service could return to their home church, their mother church. So it became known as Mothering Sunday. It was a time when Lent could be broken. Sounds pretty good to me, although I'm slimming world. So. And the Simnel cake became very popular. You can get Simnel cakes from Asda. Other shops are available. But a similar cake should have 11 balls of marzipan on it, which represent the disciples excluding Judas. I mean, who'd want that piece, to be honest with you? <laughs> now, as going back to your mother church meant that these men and women were returning to where they'd been brought up, it usually meant they took the opportunity to see their family. And on many occasions, perhaps on the walk back to their family home, both servants would gather flowers from the roadside, make them into a bunch, give them to their mother when they got home. So the tradition of giving flowers to your mother on Mothering Sunday began. 
In our reading, we have heard of someone returning home as well, having been away, working hard. But in the case of the prodigal son, having spent all his money that his father had given him. In the very familiar reading, we hear about the joy that the father had when his son returned. And this, I hope, is reflected in the joy up of mothers up and down the country feel when their sons and daughters either return home for Mothering Sunday or at least get into Flora to gather some flowers, perhaps not from a roadside. But with this joy, for some, there is sadness. Perhaps the son or daughter is estranged from their mother. Perhaps their mother is no longer with us. And much like Mrs. Starkins felt that sadness, at every, who felt that sadness at every armistice, so they feel a sense of loss and sadness. But there won't be anyone to send a card to or visit this year. It's like losing someone near Christmas. Every year there's a sense of joy and celebration. And yet for them, there's a shadow in those celebrations. As Christians, we believe that there is eternal life, that that lost loved one is living in unending joy in paradise, but it's still hard to cope with their physical absence. But I said Mothering Sunday, not Mother's Day. For many people, there's no difference. But there is. And I quote from what? is an unimpeachable source of information, Wikipedia. <clears throat> so the modern holiday of um, Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1908, when Anna Jarvis, is that a picture? What a, what a friendly sort of person she looks. <laughs> Held a memorial service for her mother in St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. So the memorial service, and she started a campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in America. And she started that in 1905 when her mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, died. Anne Reeves Jarvis had been a peace activist who cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the Civil War and created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues. Anna Jarvis wanted to honor her mother by continuing the work she'd started and to set aside a day to honor all mothers because she believed that they were the person who has done more for you than anyone in the world. By 1911, all American states observed the holiday. And in 1914, Woodrow Wilson designated it a public holiday on the second Sunday of May. What date is it today? <laughs> Although Jarvis was successful in founding Mother's Day, she became very resentful at the commercialization. By the 1920s, Hallmark cards 
had started selling Mother's Day cards. And she believed that companies had misinterpreted and exploited the idea of Mother's Day. The emphasis is on sentiment, not profit. As a result, the lady who founded Mother's Day organized boycotts of Mother's Day. <laughs> she issued lawsuits, this is America after all, against the companies involved. She argued that people should appreciate and honor their mothers through handwritten letters expressing their love and gratitude instead of buying gifts and pre-made cards. So as the number of people in the UK in service fell, the idea of Mother's Day came across from America and replaced Mothering Sunday. With Mother's Day not in May, but hey, on Mothering Sunday. What a very British compromise that is. The prodigal son is a famous story, and we can look at it in so many different ways. The way in which the son almost wanted his father dead, and for all in purposes said to him, well, I can't wait around that long. Give me the money now. It would be difficult, perhaps not impossible, to imagine that happening now. I value my inheritance more than I value you. But surely what is important is valuing the person. Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes people are difficult. Don't do what you want them to do. Indeed, actively stop you. But as we've all got a little bit older, we realize that it is so important to value and cherish other people. I really like the Nest Cafe advert, which we're going to see now, which is on at the moment. nearly 80,000 people in our lives. If you can't remember my name, please sit down. Sit down if you didn't know my nickname at school was Princess. Sit down if you don't know about the one who got away. If you've never seen me cry. Take a seat. If somehow we've lost touch. have a moment now. Of all the people we'll meet, only a few become special to us. Stay close. Nescafe Gold. For the moments that matter. Other coffees are available. <clears throat> I like it because it's so true as individuals, 
but also as a church as well. Many, many people have come through the doors. Many, many of those we've lost touch with. Some have moved away. Some haven't. Perhaps this Mothering Sunday, we should reflect on the people who used to come to the church, but have drifted away for one reason or another. It wouldn't perhaps be the first time that we've thought about this. Some years ago as a church, we looked at the idea of being a prodigal church. The only problem with that, some people interpreted the idea of prodigal church as not one where there is a warm welcome back here, perhaps, but perhaps that the person who's left has left to engage in some debauchery or other and ended up crawling back on their hands and knees in desperation. Not perhaps the greatest evangelical witness. As we're celebrating Mother's Day on Mothering Sunday, that means we're in Lent. So perhaps each of us should either think of someone we know who, for whatever reason, has drifted away from either this church or church in general, and approach them over the next three weeks and invite them back for Easter. Not as someone, some inadequate prodigal son, but full of the joy of the father stood watching his son coming home. Both Mother's Day and Easter Day are now both times of joy and celebration, but both have also become, like Christmas, buried under piles of cards and gifts. So let's take inspiration from Anna Jarvis, who said, people's appreciation and honor of their mothers, or indeed anyone, should be heartfelt, not cursory or insincere. So, use the pre-printed Easter cards, which will be distributed shortly, but express in a heartfelt and sincere way the welcome that this mother church will give each and every person on Easter Day and every day. Amen. Amen.